This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. This is the besotted Pride of West London podcast. And it's our last pre-season roundup podcast. In fact, it's actually our first pre-season roundup podcast because we've, uh, well, we've not been around very much this pre-season. We've been taking a bit of a chill pill. We've had a bit of a mad post-season. The end of the season came a little bit too mad for us. Like I said to you, we've had the, well, we had the playoffs, which finished late. And then after the playoffs, we had... What do we have? We had the Euros, and after that, it's like, oh no, the season's coming, so we've had a bit of a chill pill. I've been away, went down to the South Coast, and I went to the East Coast as well, and it's taken me a few weeks for me just to decompose, just to chill out, and now I'm feeling a lot better. Now, I'm Billy Grant, and I'm sitting here in the virtual joint with my mate Laney. How you doing? I'm all right. I'm all right. I've had, I've had a bit of a COVID adventure, unfortunately, but um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm back and not coughing quite as much as... Uh, um, I, I, I was, but uh, yeah, I, I, I've been coughing and spluttering for England. So uh, it's uh, I got stranded abroad as well, which was a bit odd. I, I, I got I went over to see my sister who lives in Mallorca for a chunk of the year, and uh, did my fly home test and, and failed. So I had to stay there for ten days, which you know some people would say that's that's a, it's not not really a sob story. Um, but yeah, I, I, I was I was a bit weak, and um, I was just glad that I had the double jab, so I was protected from the most of it. And uh, not hospitalised or anything. So, uh, yeah, I live to tell the tale. So, uh, yeah, that was, that was interesting. You're feeling better now then, Lane, are you? I am feeling better. I am. I wouldn't say I'm match fit, but I'm podcast fit. OK, that's cool. And, and the, the word on the street is that you actually uh, you actually got the Wembley variant. Is that correct? It, it, it was, is correct, yeah. And I've got, got you to blame for that. Um, you got me a ticket on, on, on the day of the game. So I thank you for I've, that. That I've was got the European Championships final. That I've, I've got to blame you. You were blaming me for getting you a ticket for the European Championships final, yeah? Yeah, well, I, I, yeah, I still would, I wouldn't have changed a thing, mate. You to, to get an opportunity like that is, uh, you know, it's once in, once in a lifetime. Um, and, you know, I, I think to being surrounded by 
by 60,000 people, there was always going to be a risk in the middle of a pandemic. So, you know, I, I went knowing that I was uh, taking a little bit more of a risk than popping down to my local. And, uh, you know, but there was a lot of people that caught, got the Wembley variant that night. And uh, it was uh, it was an interesting experience just to be there, um, being part of history. So, uh, yeah, it was uh, it was a gamble that I knew I was taking. That's right. Yeah. So I'm glad you're feeling better. And like I said myself, I've uh, I've actually had a, a, a lovely couple of weeks because uh, I've been trying hard. We've been trying hard between yourself and yourself. You were over in Spain. I was wherever I was trying to pull things together. And we just found it hard in the end just because there was just so much going on. Uh, being in the Premier League, <laughs> people knocking left, right and centre trying to get stuff off of us. And obviously got to do a bit of family time as well. So <clears throat> I went down to the South Coast hooked up with the South Coast Bees down there, managed to do a podcast down there with the South Coast Bees, that was quite good, watching the Man United game as well. I was, was going to try and get up for a couple of games, for the Man United game and for the uh, West Ham game as well, but something I just thought, tell you what, I need to chill, so did a bit of beach time as there with the kids, with the missus, I went up to Worthing actually to go and watch Worthing play Welling in a pre-season friendly with the Colin, the South Coast Bees, Junior South Coast B and the rest of them. Um, it's quite funny, actually. We bumped into one of the the the, 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 the bar um, girls from the Globe yesterday and she said to me, I, I saw you at Worthing last week. So it just goes to show you how the Brentford community get around, actually. So uh, Molly, was, uh, she was at Worthing there because her, her other half plays for Worthing as well. So And I have to say to you, Worthing, they, they smashed... They absolutely smashed Welling off the floor. They're in the Isthmian League and they play some wicked football. And obviously that's where Finn Stevens came from. They had three Grealishes in their team, we called them. Number eight Grealish, number 10 Grealish and number 19 Grealish as well. Jamie Pattenden, I think one of them was. <clears throat> Another one's just gone off to Coventry. So there's all sorts of Grealishes for Worthing. But I'd say if you're ever in that area, go and watch them play. They really do play some good football. And uh, fingers crossed we might be playing a pre-season friendly with them. Well, maybe this season or maybe at the beginning of next season but that was my summer with that as well with some old school mates in Suffolk in a massive mansion in Suffolk as well and that was the decomposing time that I needed to to get back into get back into the swing of things and uh, we got back into the swing of things and, and lately I mean because the bees they played quite a few friendlies I mean there's the Boreham Woods there was the AFC Wimbledon which I went to as well but there was only three friendlies that, that I wouldn't say they really mattered because obviously they all really mattered but three friendlies that have really given us an indication of kind of where we're going and that's the friendlies against uh, Man United the friendly against West Ham and also the friendly which was yesterday against Valencia weren't they? Yeah, uh, the club have been very kind of structured. They're, they're very much A-team friendlies now and B-team friendlies. And we, you know, we've been used to that down the years when you, you, know, you think you're playing a friendly against Tottenham or Chelsea or whoever and you know, it's an 11. Um, and they're, they're, you know, this, it's, a squad, it's a squad friendly rather than an A-team friendly. So yeah, we've, we've really only had three um, in front of the public matches, which, were, which have all been really impressive, to be honest with you. The Man United game... Um, was obviously people were going to remember that for the for the two brilliant goals um, or the four brilliant goals but the two brilliant Brentford goals and then uh, you know West Ham I thought we acquitted ourselves very well um, and we are only separated in that match by a bit of Ben Rama magic and cur- curling one in into the to the top corner of the net um, which was a match winner um, but we, we we looked good and then we looked good against uh, um, Valencia yesterday so I, I think you know Brentford fans have, have kind of been 
relieved to some extent that we, we've we've kicked on i think uh, in our performances and we we're fluid in in changing formations during the game the players that have come in have, have kind of looked good on the eye immediately there's still lots more to come lots more familiarity with with the new signings um you know people like um you know miles per harris we have you know we've heard great things about we've not seen a lot of minutes from him yet Frank Onyeka, um, you know, again, he made a big impact. People singing about him already. Um, and then, um, obviously, Christopher um, Aja, um, you know, it was the first time we saw him properly yesterday as well. And, you know, it's all shaping up. It's, just, it's looking really good, Bill. I'm just wondering, because we played these three friendlies, and, I mean, you've seen all of them. Uh, OK, and the, the one thing about sort of going up a league is that, you know, we saw this last season, the season before, everything was on TV. And now, you know, like going up there, we've actually got friendlies. Two of the friendlies, two of the three friendlies were on TV. Oh, no, all three of the friendlies, I think, were on TV. One of them was on Manchester United TV and the other two were on BT Sport. I'm just wondering, out of the three friendlies, which one did you enjoy the most? Um, probably the Man U game. It was, it was the highest profile one. Um, I think that was a, a fam- familiarity exercise in, in the team going to you know a stadium like that. I know we've played in, in big stadiums, but... I think um, it's like the stature of the club and the players that, that were, you know, lining up against us. I think that was a it was a, a proper learning curve that one. Um, uh, I really, I did really enjoy yesterday. You know, Valencia. Let's 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 not um, ever forget that we've you know we've just beaten one of the you know one of the strongest teams in La Liga. Um, you know, a team that's plays in the Champions League regularly, Europa League regularly, very evenly. Uh, selected a match team to us I thought um, and you know we, we we played some some sparkling football and you know Ivan Tony didn't feature so I, I, I'm not sure whether he would have played differently if he was he was there but again I, I just think you know although he was missing um, it gave it gave uh, you know Marcus Force minutes and Devis Soglu came on in his place players that will probably be more more likely than not fringe squad A-teamers um, but um, everyone's going to have to contribute and I, I think we saw that the team are ready, they're ready for the season they're ready to take on Arsenal um, and you heard you know, in the, the, the fan clips that you know you recorded after the game yesterday people are quietly confident, not nonchalant not, not arrogant, not, not taking anything for granted but we've seen with our own eyes that the, the team that are putting on the red and white of a Brentford in the Premier League they are in the right place. They're they're not they're not out of their depth. They're not they're not sort of uh, you know um, in the deep end and um, need need armbands. They, they are in the right league for their ability, and you know they've, they've got to do it over the whole season now and, and prove not to be a flash in the pan. But I think you know we had a poll on Besotted this week. I think over fifteen hundred people have voted in it so far. Um, and if you go onto Twitter and you, you haven't voted yet, you can you can have a have a go at that. And and I think I think it's almost sixty percent of people believe that we're going to be um, comfortable, com- lower half of the table, but in that comfort zone. So you know, there's there's based on what the evidence that people have seen with their eyes. So I I I I agree with that. I think we'll I think we'll be all right. And talking about Valencia, I mean, uh, last season they finished, I think it was 13th in La Liga. So, they're, you know, sort of midway down the table. Um, from the, the, and we talked about this on the post 
match podcast from the ground that you can hear it on post the match podcast is pride of west dot london and on that you'll hear us all the fans talking from the ground as well also rasmus ankerson is talking about that giving us his views on a few things we might have rasmus on the uh, on the podcast a little bit later where we'll have a little clip from that but um on, on the on the world rankings we call it the benham ranking the benham table where they basically pit teams from all across the world in one big league table based on statistical information and brentford are actually 65th in that you know spf are about 67 whereas valencia are 69th in that around about 66.8 so they're pretty similar and just to give you an idea of the teams in and around us burnley in and around us as well just above valencia as well just below us southampton just below us as well you know so basically brentford southampton burnley valencia you know all around the same area as well psv around about the same as well and uh, newcastle around about the same just a little bit higher so that gives you an idea at the moment i mean this will change when the season starts of course but i think you can see the reason why brentford chose valencia because they're a, a similar team to them playing in a, a higher level league and it gives us good indication as to how we may fare against a team like that but yesterday was the interestingly as a launch of new griffin park um a year after it's actually been opened, which is uh, sort of kind of strange. But again, it's one of those things that they've had to do because of coronavirus, because of the pandemic. And uh, it was meant to be a sort of a big launch with, you know, ex-players and, you know, PAs and all sorts of stuff. Were you uh, were you excited, lady? Yeah, I was proud to be there. Um, you know, it's, it's something that without the, without the pandemic that, you know, I'm sure it would have been a, a bigger occasion, um, you, know, eight, you know, a year ago. Uh, yeah, I, I, I thought it was a great buzz around the place yesterday. It was the first time we'd been to the new ground where there was like, a, a, you know, a, a significant crowd um, walking, walking along the Great West Road and, and cutting up and through and over the little bridge. There was there was a sort of like a, a yeah a, a swell of people and being in the ground and hearing um, everyone sing along to Hey Jude I, th- I thought there was a, you know it, it does kick out some noise um, good to see some of the ex players um, and, and the ex managers I think uh, you know uh, Martin Allen was there Steve Coppel doesn't really do a lot of uh, personal appearances good to see him um, and then there's the you know the ex players Francis Joseph. Andy McCulloch and then Dean Holdsworth and um, Keith Millen um, uh, Terry, Evans. Terry Evans was there yeah um, and of course Marcus Gale of Marcus course Gale. I mean, well we see it we see him every week don't we but yeah I mean listen I sort of forget he was part of that really good uh, you know championship level team um, in the early 90s and you know, fair play to him and it was quite sad on, on a day where we all learned that Robbie Cook um, had, had passed away um, so yeah, it was it was tinged because you know I don't know um, I'm assuming most people that listen to this will remember Robbie Cook, uh, really really quality striker for for Brentford in the in the mid 80s and scored the goal and it was a consolation goal in the end at, at Wembley in '85 and the Freight Rover it was an absolutely brilliant goal we kind of hooked it over his shoulder um, and sent sent the Brentford fans a little bit do lally that day um, but I, I think he was. Uh, he, he, he was he was a very very gifted player. I didn't really kick on to a to a to to the next level, but in in the in the third division, I think he you know in that period he was he was you know really did cause problems. What did you yeah you got good memories of Robbie? I've got very good memories of Robbie. I think he was in effect sort of kind of one of my fave players around that time. To be quite honest with you, I mean obviously he played in the team with Chris Kamara, who Chris Kamara was one of my 
my favourite player at the time. But, you know, he played in and, in and around that team and around that era. And the one game that, I mean, I remember quite a few games with him, but, you know, with his curly blonde hair. But the game that I really remember him is when I went down to Bournemouth a night game in the uh, the um, Leyland Daff Trophy, the same one that you talked about when we got to the final, and we played Bournemouth in the Southern final. And if I remember rightly, we I think we beat them 3-2, and again, this is off the top of my head, but all I remember is that I, th- I think that we went 2-0 up, and then did Bournemouth come back for 2 all, and then Robbie Cook scored the final goal? But all I remember is that Robbie's Cook scoring a final goal, and I'm pretty sure that he almost came over to the fans sort of on his knees, and you know he was like he had his fists up, sort of kind of celebrating, and everyone went absolutely ballistic because again that was the first time for me that Brentford actually had kind of looked like they were going to do anything because before that we, we weren't anywhere I mean I, I, I didn't support them when they got promoted from the, the bottom tier the, you know division four at the time so they hadn't really done anything for a few years for so for them to have actually got through to looking through to the southern final of the Leyland Daff trophy that was for me that was the pinnacle of my Brentford supporting career and I just remember Robbie Cook with his goal and his celebration just doing the business um, yeah lady it's a sad moment for, for Robbie Cook we were talking about though um, Dean Holdsworth and uh, I saw Dean Holdsworth there and I, he looked over at the West End and I started waving towards him and he sort of kind of semi-waved back thinking who's that nutter waving and I think Marcus sort of said in his ear that's Bill and I shouted to him and go Dean Dean we've still got your gnome trophy for when you won player of the year in like 1991 or whatever it was <laughs> I, I, I haven't got yeah. it have you actually got it still yeah I think you, you I think in the numerous house moves that you had it's yeah, probably kind of lost yeah. itself on its way but um, mm. but in principle yes he, he never did collect his trophy from us and every time we used to, to speak to him because obviously we used to talk to him quite a lot because uh, we used to go husky racing with him on uh, on Hampstead Heath do you remember that yeah, as well yeah, as you yeah, do yeah, yeah. yeah which is a lot of people are thinking what are these guys talking about they've been smoking at this time <laughs> the we don't smoke I'd let you know but no we used to go husky dog racing with Dean Holdsworth um, on Hampstead Heath as you do we've got the photographs to prove it as well but um, he has got a player of the year trophy that he hasn't collected from us and he's welcome to collect it from us at any time it's a very ugly little gnome but it was <laughs> what it, <laughs> it is what we used to give to the players at the time when they won player of the year so well done Dean that was, that's what we used to call Ian Holloway when he played for us ugly little nose <laughs> that's right anyway congratulations Dean well yeah, done to you anyway but listen uh, and what, what do you think of talking about the uh, opening what did you think of Corrupts FM Bill I mean, I don't, it didn't, didn't quite work for me I, didn't, I couldn't really hear what they was hear what was going on if I'm, if I'm, if I'm honest yeah uh, the thing about it is that again a lot of people may or may not know I worked in the music industry for years and uh, and one thing that we used to shy away from was doing PAs in football grounds you, uh, you always used to get requests for doing PAs in football grounds, but we never used to do them because uh, they never used to work. Because the whole idea of doing PAs in football grounds is that you, you want to try and sell records or try and sell yourself to them. And if you do a performance in front of a large crowd and the performance isn't up to scratch, it could actually do you neg- uh, it, c- it could set you back as, as, as opposed to put you forward. And normally the reason why that happens is that football grounds historically have got really terrible PA systems. So if you're an artist, you normally want to turn up there with either a PA system uh, or a sound system which is matched up to what you do and you're comfortable with it 
or you know that you know like I said to you the PA system in the place is that and, and football grounds are notoriously bad and I actually did a record and this is really bad this is my very early days in A&R I was actually A&R for Hunter from the Gladiators do you remember that lady I remember back in the days you probably don't remember that it was quite I was, I was a very young A&R at the time and, and he did a track called Shaka Boom you can google it right and it's google it's called he did it with Ruby Turner so it's Hunter from the Gladiators Shaka Boom and uh, we did this track and it, it was it was quite bad actually but you know we put it out there and <laughs> because like we were a young record label just willing to do things and it was a learning curve for me as well like you know Ant and Deck on one side you know Hunter from the Gladiators on the other side and then all of a sudden he's, he was getting all these promo opportunities and uh, he got this promo opportunity to do um, Old Trafford and, and we were like going don't do it Hunter it's just no no you shouldn't do it but he kind of wanted he really wanted to do, to do Old Trafford so we went up to uh, Old Trafford and he did this PA in front of like you know the Stretford end like I'm saying sort of 50 or 60,000 fans and it went down like a complete and utter lead balloon and he couldn't understand why and uh, it was just like nah no, this is just this is just terrible. Like I'm saying, so no. In, in in traditionally, like I said to you, it's not a great thing to do with corrupt FM. Listen, they're a good set of lads. They're really funny. To me, the sound system again wasn't happening. I couldn't hear what was on the big screen. I couldn't hear what they were saying, and it's quite you know it's just quite hard to hear and see. So it it didn't probably go down as well as it's going to. But I think it was good for the fans. It's good for the photographs. It's good for the social media. So the experience that we got might not have been hundred percent. But if you go onto Instagram, onto the Corrupt FM Instagram, they've already put out a reel you know from that day, and it looks great because they've just filmed it themselves. Bit of fan, a bit of pitch action, a bit of DJ action. Put it out there to the world, and you know. Hundreds of you know millions of people are going to watch that and look, think that's going to look really great. So, inside the stadium, we may not have got the experience, but social media is where it's at, and it'll make people think differently. And they have actually spread the word of Brentford to a wider audience. But anyway, listen, we're going to talk a little bit more about the football in a minute. We're going to take a little bit of a break. We're going to go off, probably have a little bit of a drink, a cup of tea, I'd say it is, because it is Sunday afternoon. We'll come back and we're going to talk about Brentford and the games. So, yeah, so three friendly matches we played. Like I said, Man United, West Ham, Valencia. And I think we mainly talk about the Valencia game because we've had a post-match podcast from the Man United game that was done with the South Coast Bees as well. And West Ham, again, you did a post-match podcast last week, which was talking to fans from all different areas coming over, talking about that. So, I mean, we talk about the Valencia game, but we'll also just sort of sum up what your thoughts are, you know, post well, the end of pre-season as well, because obviously there was other games as well, which have just got us to this stage. But for me, you know, the Valencia game, I mean, the first thing I've got to say to you is that, just from a fan's perspective, Laney, because I know you went to the West Ham game, I didn't go there as well, and you were a bit disappointed with the size of the crowd of that one, but there was a decent crowd yesterday at the game. We obviously went to the Bournemouth game where the crowd was probably, you know, less than half that it was today, a different atmosphere as well. But what do you think of, like, inside the ground, the crowd, the vibe inside the stadium. Yeah, I, I have been impressed with it. It's uh, only it is very concretey inside. Let's be honest. Um, you know, no one expected it to be anything other than that. And I, in the last few weeks, the club have put up some um, some old photographs. I, I supplied them with sort of fifteen pictures. They've, they've made big montages, um, and which they've put on on the concrete blank walls which kind of um, in the West End particularly have kind of uh, brightened it up a little bit and, and got a um, there's a reference there to the past which I think um, fair play f- to them for doing that 
it's the first time I'd have a pint, I'd had a pint in the ground, um, and that was better than I thought. I don't normally have a have a drink in the, in dur- during the you know during the stadium time of my day. That's normally my sobering up. I have a couple before and a few afterwards, but uh, during during the you know during the stadium, uh, I, I normally sort of lay off. But got there early, obviously, to see the the, the warm up and. Um, you know the, the the celebrations before the start of the the, the, the opening ceremony game, and I had a, I had a pint, um, and it was good. The, the beer was good, and I think um, it was reasonably priced. Um, I didn't have any of the food, so I can't comment on that. But there was a good buzz. It was a good buzz, and it was nice to see some familiar faces. So that's that's always going to be an option because it's a it's a bit of a walk from where where we in our normal watering hole. So um, yeah, I, 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 so. I think it's the fourth time or fifth time, fourth time I think I've been in there, fifth time. Uh, and I, I, I have, I've always been impressed by the atmosphere. And I, and I think, you know, there's, there's not many dis- dissenting voices, I don't think. I've not really heard or read anyone that really hates it. And I, and I think in this era of social media where people are very, very critical and negative overall, um, I think we would have heard um, a lot more of uh, if there was something massive that the club hadn't done, or um, it was a you know the you know the, the 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 atmosphere was bad. I think there are there are issues. I think you know we've got a little bit of an issue, or quite a big issue, where um, there we have got an obstructive view where we didn't before. Um, we, we, whether we talk about that today or we talk about it on, on another podcast, but I think there's like stairwells they've had to put um, kind of like screens up, like perspex or glass and metal screens. And if you're sitting near the stairs anywhere in the ground, there's a there's an, there's an obstructed view which wasn't there when we picked the pick the seats. Pick the seats. I'm sorry to interrupt you there because it's. I mean, I know you sort of say it's it's, it's obviously personal to us, but for what I can gather, there's actually quite a few groups of people around the whole stadium who have expressed their unhappiness about this and the fact is that I mean a lot of people say oh, this is really boring but it's, it's quite important because if you move into a new stadium and you are you know you were told that you're going to get such and such a view the last thing that you want is I mean we used to joke about having the big post in the what's it the new road or in the Ealing road where you couldn't see the game you had to look around the post and you didn't think that you'd be um <clears throat> I didn't think that you'd be, you know, you'd be getting that in the new stadium. The fact that, you know, that these screens had gone up, which weren't there when we got the VR glasses when we went down to the, to the hut. And for us, it's a bit annoying because we were pretty much at the sort of pretty, pretty much at the first, you know, first choice. We had a, a pretty much a good choice of any seat in the whole stadium. We could have gone anywhere and to sort of turn up and find this massive screen with these metal poles that you have to arch your head around and you have to watch a game through a screen is a little bit annoying. So I think that um, there's going to be a few words to be had because uh, you can't have a new stadium with an obstructed view because that's just, that's not the that's not the ticket, is it, Laney? No, absolutely not. No, no, I wasn't saying it only really affects us, but I think, you know, it's, it's something that's so new and we probably need to ask around who else, who else has been affected by this. And, you know, actually make contact with us if, if you are affected by this because it's, it's, it is significant you know that where I where I sat and where I picked my seat I can't really see the goal well, there's, a, there's a metal post half you know in my eyesight so it, it, it's not great um, and you know it has to be it has to be solved um, so if there's anyone else that's you know suffer, suffered a similar uh, carbuncle in their eyesight on uh, when they're sat in their seats it's, it would be good to kind of like team up and, and, and approach a club to see if we can find a solution but but overall you know that aside the the, the games 
the, the build-up games to the season and, and I think the atmosphere, specifically yesterday, I think the what I think the team that we saw in the first half is going to be as close to the starting eleven for. Um, for the Arsenal matches, anyone's going to kind of give away. I think there will be two or three changes to that eleven, but I think the majority of that—that's—that's that's kind of the way we're going to set up for the Gunners coming to New Griffin Park on Friday night. Yeah, I mean, again, the, the game for me, like I said, didn't didn't, didn't go to the two previous big games. Went to AFC Wimbledon, didn't go to the previous big games as well, but. Stadium, same for me as well. Good atmosphere, terrible view from the seat, you know. But again, we'll come on to that another time. Um, uh, it wasn't terrible view. I mean, you could see off the you could see off the pitch anyway without having obstructions, which I suppose is not which is not bad. But you stand up, if you stand it's, up, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. But of course, but we weren't. But we're not well, allowed no, to stand up. No, of course, exactly. you know what I'm saying. You, <laughs> so, uh, but that's not the point. But anyway, but other than that, like I said to you, the game itself, like I said to you, first half we talked about this, you know, afterwards. And interestingly, Canos has gone at right wing back. Looks like we're going to be playing three at the back. You know, the fact that we've gone with that, you know, the final, um, the, you know, again, the final um, friendly game, you know, with Aya or Aja as he is fitting into that. I think it looks like that's the formation that we're going to be playing, you know, with, with Canos as right wing back, which, which I did actually do the old eyebrow raise when I saw that. But actually, I thought Canos had, I thought he had a really good game on Saturday against Valencia uh, I don't know if he was getting extremely excited because he comes up from far from Valencia and he talks about Valencia all the time and uh, and, uh, and 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 he was just you know he was just very very excited about them you know it was just it was unbelievable so he was running around like you know like no tomorrow but I thought he had a really really good game player who I've been very very excited about this season is Brian Bumo who like I said he looks like he's a, he, he looks like he's having a fresh start and I think that this Premier League could be a, a really good thing for him after last season. OK, he scored, what's it, 10 goals, I think it was last season, which is uh, not, not as high as he did before, but it's all right. You know, maybe nine goals or maybe eight goals. I'm not sure. Something like that. Um, and Boomer, who's, I think, four scored 10 goals. I think he scored maybe about eight, you know, but he didn't look like the previous Boomer. But he is looking back like he is on fire. And I, I'm really looking forward to see what he does against, sort of, inverted commas, higher class opposition as well and um, like I said impressed by him and like I said the other I mean the other players as well um, Halil didn't have as much as, a, as, as game time as he did uh, previously when he when he did against West Ham which I thought he, he looked really good um, Baptiste I don't, did Baptiste come on at all I mean he had very little game time this time if any at all this time which I think probably goes to show you maybe where he is in the pecking order still because for him I think he's come off the back of an injury so you're not going to rush him into it too much but he's looked really good in some of the games he's, he's, he's come on for you know Marcus Force I tell you what watching him in the in the warm up <laughs> the way that he was putting them balls in the back of the net he is a he's a wicked finisher, Marcus Force, and you know obviously we're going to be playing two up front, and Marcus Force is definitely the the man that we're going to start with. I think with uh, with obviously Halil looks like he's going to be coming on for him after seventy or eighty minutes. That's I think that's the thought of that. But Marcus Force, he certainly knows how to put the ball on the back of the net. But I tell you, something, the guy who was on fire on Saturday's game was Yanel. Mate, what a player he is! I, you know, and I've done quite a few interviews for different publications, different TV companies. You know, the Observer. I think I've got a review. There's a review that's out there today of the season, and I didn't mention Yenel. I have to admit because I wasn't quite sure 
where he's going to be fitting in with all these players coming in and out. Will he be in? Will he not be in? But I think seeing how the way that he played and the, and the, and the position that they played him in in two sort of slightly different positions at the at the weekend, where he, he played further up the pitch in the second half. It's almost like the guy is undroppable because he's unbelievable. He just keeps going and he goes and he goes. And you've got to give a big mention for that player because he's, for 500 grand, he's, he's bargain of the, of the century, isn't he? Yeah, he, he is he's an exceptional talent and uh, <clears throat> he's, he's the sky's the limit for him, to be honest with you. You know, you're right, he's undroppable. He is. Um, it's finding out how he how he dovetails with Norgard's going to be you know the interesting one. But as we saw in the second half, he, they, they pushed him forward. He had a, had a, had a bit of a freer role um, to kind of maraud forward. Um, you know, there's, there's there's a lot of players that are obviously going to be massively massively excited about being able to showcase themselves in the in the top division. So you know, expect expect that to be a factor in like adding another five to ten percent into performances i'm not saying you know they're 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 doing it for any other reasons apart from wanting you know personal pride and wanting to do the best for the club you know but brian and waymo uh again you you'd right to highlight he had a you know stop start season last year um there was times where he was you know seriously struggling and there was you know we were questioning whether he should be dropped and this that and the other and i, I think sometimes we just have to kind of relax a little bit and i, and I think with this it's the same with force you know, we can't we can't we can't be demanding the same kind of uh, you know, I'm not saying demand, we're not demanding anything from Ivan Tony either. But I think it, it, Ivan Tony has been such a trailblazer the last year. And Force, um, he, he he had a really good uh, early part of last season as well. Um, he's proved what he's capable of and I'm not quite sure we've we've found out how to use him best. You know, we can't play the same way as we do when there's just Ivan Tony up top. Um, we have to use him differently. And, and I think the, the attacking midfield options um, where we, we, we're, we've got, we've got uh, attacking midfielders that are kind of closer to the, the forwards and the ability to thread balls onto him. We can't, we can't sling balls in and expect, you know, uh, you know like Ivan Tony to, to win them in the air. I'm not saying... Marcus Force isn't good in the air, but it's his it's his absolute clinical thunderbolt of a shot that I think is is you know is his is his ace card. So you know I'm chilled about him, and and same with Halil. Um, we can't we can't unless we bring someone else in as a striker who's who's more recognised. Which I don't think we're going to do because they're bloody expensive. So um, I don't rule it out, but I, I, I think that we have to keep Halil Devasoglu, Marcus Force, and Ivan Tony as our three, three like number nine, number ten players, and um, really encourage everyone else to chip in. I mean, we're talking about ch- chipping in, Laney. I mean, and and and, and obviously you, you mentioned quite a lot there about Ivan Tony, who is our well, he's our premium striker. He's the one that. Any time, like I said to you, you're doing an interview, you'd see a newspaper article, um, especially in this league, because they probably don't know as much about Brentford as they may do about the other teams. But they've all heard about Ivan Tony because he broke the record last season. He scored lots and lots and lots of goals for them. And I think the big question mark for them, and probably for us as well, is whether or not Ivan Tony is going to be able to step up to the mark in this division, which is obviously you know what we all want to know. But the question I'm going to ask you is that, I mean, obviously Ivan Tony. He was uh, he was missing from this game, okay. 
he was absolutely missing from this game and uh, uh, I think again I'm not, I don't want to misquote anybody here from the, but the rumour that I heard is that there was a, a little bit of a, maybe an injury or a bit of a niggle you know which he might have had so they didn't want to uh, they didn't want to to, to, to to upset anything so he, he didn't play that game is that is that what you heard? Yeah yeah I, you know <clears throat> there was a conspiracy theory as well that he, you know they, they didn't want to give too much away to Arsenal he would have been you know, thoroughly scouted themselves right up for, for, for the game, you know, on, on Friday. Um, <clears throat> whatever the case, I mean, Ivan's got no, nothing more to prove. He didn't, he didn't really need a, a, you know, a run out yesterday. He's fit. Um, it, it'll be chomping at the bit for Arsenal. There is, there is, you know, if, if, if he's only like 98% match fit, the extra 2% is going to come with adrenaline and, and just the, the, the sense of occasion um, that we're bringing the curtain down on, 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 the, on the premiership season is us. We're, we're the, we've got to have the world watching us. Um, so, you know, I'm, I've got no worries about Ivan Tony. Um, and also, yeah, I mean, you, know, you, men- you mentioned the, him being our premium striker. I, I've, uh, he's got broad shoulders, Ivan Tony. Actually, it, it probably suits the rest of the team to have the world just talking about him. If, if, only, if people aren't going to, you know, gen themselves up on the rest of our great players, if they only want to talk about Ivan Tony... Just let him crack on. Let him p- pile all the pressure on him. Um, and, you know, he, 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 I'm not saying he's going to sink, sink or swim. He, he might struggle for goals this year because he's going to be marked so tight. You know, it, it might be the fact that, he, you know, he, he might have to be like the magnet for the defence so, so, so the other players can get a little bit more space. You know, we, we, we are under the, under the cosh. There's a big old learning curve for all of us this year defences will be able to do a job on us and the thing with the three friendlies is they've all allowed us to play football um there's been you know there's been no coming coming down and shutting you know parking the bus or trying to trying to literally grind us down or kind of just absorbing us all and taking the one chance but we've had we've come up against three teams that wanted to play expansive football themselves and we've gone end to end pretty much with all three of those. The, when league points, when premiership points are up for grabs, it, we might have to be a little bit more savvy um, and expect uh, teams to come and be aware that we, you know, uh, you know we are we are going to cause and scare a lot of teams this year, um, and they they might have to kind of be a little bit more, a um, uh, little bit more sort of tighter. Um, and, and not literally, you know, players players in a toe to toe football game. So we'll, we'll see. Uh, Arsenal are the kind of team that we want to be playing. They only play one way, really. Um, and you know, there's a good chance that we can get something out of that match. Yeah. So and just coming back to, I mean, to that match. You know, interestingly, that was the first game that we've seen at uh, Griffin Park, New Griffin Park, for a while. That you know, all 22 players on the pitch all took the knee, as they call it, which is the uh, yeah, which is, which has been a subject of much uh, discussion, especially over the European Championships. And if people don't know, and if you could check it out on, you know, if you want to go to Besotted YouTube on 1992, you know, on Besotted. Um, um, I'm proud of West London as well, where I've done numerous interviews for BBC, for TV companies, where I talked about the whole subject of taking the knee, which is a symbol that black people have used to, in effect, highlight the oppression that we have had over the years and the fact that we're not happy with it. And it's a symbol that we, people that haven't listened to this podcast, I'm black, by the way, um, have, have used... Right, and we've taken it up, and we've used that. And there's some people that are not happy with it, 
and they feel that it's their place to actually tell us <laughs> what to do <laughs> and what we should, why, why, how we should actually kind of uh, raise our fists and say how we're not unhappy. And they're, they're telling us you can't do the anything, which for me actually really makes me annoyed because I'm thinking, who are you to tell me what to do? But I'm not going to go into that too much. But the reason why I say that is very interesting. 22 players have done that. They've had to come back and Brentford, to a certain extent, have had to sort of fall in line with the, the football, the Premier League, who have said, listen, we're doing this as a unit and this is what we're going to do and this is the symbol that we're going to do and we're going to carry on doing it. Obviously, Ivan Tony is a player who has reasons that he has decided that he's not going to take the knee. Now, the irony about this whole thing is that, listen, of course, I stand behind Ivan Tony because, you know, me and him, we have the same type of troubles, we have the same tribulations, we have the same issues that we're fighting against. And if Ivan Tony decides that he is not going to do something for a reason... I know there's going to be a good reason for it. I would like to think there's a good reason for it. I was a little bit confused because he didn't really explain his reasonings too well beforehand. And I was a bit confused because it was a little bit like I've said, I've said it, but I'm thinking, but you actually haven't said it because I don't really know. But he put out a very long statement only the day before the match to actually explain it, which I think is actually very, very interesting. Because what you've got is you've got a lot of people going, yeah, see, Ivan Tony doesn't like the knee and he's black. So it goes to show you that the knee is the wrong thing to do. Well, he's actually not saying that. What Ivan Tony is actually saying, he's looking at some of these people who are disrespecting the knee and kind of saying, well, to be quite honest with you, it's kind of because of you lot why I'm not even doing the knee anyway. Because the fact is that it's not sorting, it's not sorting the issue. The knee is never going to sort the issue. He said in February 21, I made a decision not to continue taking the knee for a number of reasons. I personally have not seen enough positive change that supports black people in football and in society in general which is an issue that I've had and I talk about this quite a lot every now and again I know it knocks a few people but I don't care I mention those things he's saying the same thing and then he talks about the fact that he says I was racially abused online on several occasions last season and I felt I was being forced to act on the crime that's committed against me okay the club the league the social media companies and the police all had the evidence and did not or could not proceed with any investigation, which was proven in the Ian Wright case, would have probably ended without any form of punishment to the perpetrators. So basically, he's peed off in the same way that I'm peed off and a lot of other people are peed off as well. And the fact is that all these people are going around saying, ah, yeah, he's not taking the knee. It's kind of like he's not saying that... He's not, he's not saying the knee's going to solve it, but beforehand, he wants more things to happen. Right now, the fact is, my point is, I'm saying that it's better doing it than doing the knee than nothing at all, because a lot of people get peed off about it. But the fact is, he's saying, "Listen, I'm going to do something else." Now, what what I'm trying to say is that I think it's very interesting what Ivan told you because I think in that statement, there's a lot of things actually he hasn't said. It's not what he has said; it hasn't said. He's he's mentioned a few things. He's mentioned the club. He's mentioned the league. He's mentioned social media companies. There's a lot of things that he's not happy with here. And if a lot of people are going out there thinking, "Ivan Tony, man, you're on my side because like you don't want to take the knee," it's the exact opposite. Is the ex- he he'll be looking at you and saying, "Actually, mate, don't talk to me because this you are you are a reason why I'm not taking the knee because I'm so peed off with the whole thing." So, people, get back yourselves in your box. And try and listen to people like myself, like Ivan Tony, and all the other black people out there, to tell, for us to tell you what is making us tick, what is making us angry, and what right, what we want to do to actually highlight this problem. Because the problem is still there, and it's not helping you people coming out there and trying to justify your booing, trying to justify all the things that you're doing to actually kind of, in effect, put what we're doing down. That's all I'm going to say on this matter. I'm going to move on. 
I'm staying with Ivan Tony. I'm glad he said what he's got to say. I'm also glad that he didn't say a lot of things he's going to say because there's a lot of things hidden under there. And the people that think that he's standing with you, trust me, he ain't standing with you at all. But we move on, lady. Well, the I, match. I, I, no, no, Carl, I want to add just something a little bit to that. I'm not obviously, you know, I can't walk in your shoes. I, you know, I, I can support um, and I can understand. But, you know, as, as, as a black fan and as a black player, I, I can only, as I said, I can only support I, and, and I can't I can't live your life, your lived experience. But I think what Ivan Tony's statement showed is the more he talks about the issue, the better. Communication um, is only a good thing in this case. He has put up with so much shit that in my eyes, I would support him. He deals with this exactly as, as he wants to because it's affected him more than most. What I would love to see, Bill, is you and him sat down talking about this. You, from a black fan's perspective, him as a black Brentford player's perspective, strong opinions, and just chewing the fat for a, a half an hour, an hour. It, it would be in, an incredibly positive and enlightening exercise and uh, I think we ought to reach out and see if we can make that happen yeah well, listen you know me I'm up for doing that listen you know again it's all about respect you sit around the table and you talk with people and you educate and there's a lot of people out there to be educated because every time I see this knee thing come up and I look at the comments you know I have to bite my lip because I think these people here everyone goes it's free speech and this this that and the other you've got no clue because what you're doing is you spend the whole time shouting shouting at other people right arrogantly shouting your way is the right way blah this that the other there's no listening going on telling people what they should be doing the whole time it's just like i'm fed up of people telling us how we should be demonstrating against racism doing things that we have experienced all our life and things that other people have never experienced in their life and they start telling you what to do it's just like come on please let's give it a break and start listening Instead of talking and getting on your 280 characters typing thing the whole time. That's what you do. One way traffic. Start listening and you might start learning. But anyway, let's get back to the game, lady. The game itself was a wicked game, wasn't it? Yep. Um, it was a wicked game. Yeah. Like two, two, two teams that really were all about getting the, getting the ball down and playing. Um, uh, and you say... Uh, a slightly ironic tongue-in-cheek because what our equalising goal came from Ethan Pinnock's head, a towering header, um, and you know again we we are going to need to see that a lot. Um, it's good to see Chris Chris Aja um, kind of uh, you know he, he, some people said he was a bit of fault for the goal. You know, I think it was a great finish. I think it was a brilliant dribble. You know, the kids just just signed from Barcelona, the bloke that scored the goal. You know, he. he Let's not let's not think that we were looking at another cha- you know a championship team. That this 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 Valencia team are going to be competing at the top end of the Liga, um, and they're they're, they're going to they're going to they're going to sort of like impress all year. So we 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 did brilliantly to to, to beat them. Um, and yeah, I, I, it was great to get it out of the way though. Again, I I, I was I, I didn't want the game to finish necessarily. I was enjoying it, but I wanted the final whistle. I want pre-season ended. I want to, I want to get on with this now I'm, I, I am really excited about the season ahead and I, I'm going to thoroughly enjoy it and talking about the you know you mentioned the angry the ang- angry people the the, 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 the Twitter artsy the ones that just just rant and rant and rant I, I'm not gonna you know we're not gonna win every week 
this 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 season, and and I and I, won't, I won't have this season ruined, you know, um, by 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 demanding we're gonna we have to win every week. We're not we're not <laughs> get 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 used to that and uh, rate rain your you know your your demands in a little bit and enjoy the incredible football we're gonna see with some of the brightest youngest most promising prospects this division seen for a, for a long time and our brand of football is really going to contribute to the Premier League we're not we're not there by fluke we're not there to make the numbers up we're Brentford we should be very proud of what we've achieved so far the story's not over you know the people that run our club have, have, have achieved European football in, in Denmark with Mittyland. They'll they'll be they'll be planning for that. You know they'll be planning for Brentford playing in the Europa League within three, four, five years. You know maybe sooner. Who who, who the hell knows? But you know this. I'm, I'm looking at that squad um, and the team that played against Man United um, and West Ham. We 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 are we are gonna we are gonna win games this year. And I just, as I said, I'm going to enjoy it and I'm really not in the mood for having it ruined by by people that have got unrealistic demands. So, yeah, you know, that's my little rant over. I'm just, I'm just going to come back to, because we've talked, we're talking about the players and, you know, and again, you know, maybe we might come back and actually look at seeing exactly who we think might's going to line up against the Arsenal. But, you know, looking at the players and new players, you know, we talked about, you know, Miles Pert-Harris, Again, uh, sort of slightly cameo-ish appearance last yesterday. Um, he, he, he appeared as a substitute beforehand as well. I can't remember which game it was. It might be the West Ham game as well. 18 years old, attacking midfielder, knows where the goal is. The type of player that, like I said to you, if you listen to Pride of West. London, we spoke to um, Chelsea, Chelsea fans as well. Joe, who uh, Joe Tweedy, who gave us a really good rundown on Pert Harris as well. Should definitely check it out. And he said he sounds like he's the type of player who we're going to sort of kind of we're going to get him up and running. And maybe it might be towards the middle to the back end of the season that we actually might start in- injecting him into the side, like you know. So he sounds like he's like a, a promise, you know, who is there to, uh, to f- for the future. Interestingly, because Brentford actually were very much in for Michael Elise, who may or may not know this. Yeah, we were in for Elise, who ended up going to Chelt Armed Crystal Palace in the end. Reading player, really, really good player. Um, uh, again, attacking midfielder player, and it looks like Pert Harris is probably the the the, the substitute for for where Elise was. I say probably, um, which means that, and also Pert Harris is obviously kind of much more of a junior fledgling though, because Elise is much more of the finished product. So it looks like we kind of haven't replaced him like for like as such. We've replaced him with a player who we're looking to grow into being an Elise maybe in, in a year or two's time. Um, also on the new player front as well we've talked about Asia as well and again on the Pride of West London you just check it out we've got a Celtic fan Will who tells us all about Asia saying that we've got a proper absolute diamond of a player there central midfielder and you saw the way that he came ball on his feet he was loving it. he loves going forward he loves the attack you know he really does and he's going to add something to our attacking play as well from the centre of the, of the well I say the centre of defence which will be interesting as well and uh, and then also the Cassetti there is a there is a, a player as well who we haven't signed as yet but we have pretty much signed and he was there on Saturday as well which is Johan Visa as well who comes from the club Lorient and we're not talking about Leighton Orient we're talking about Lorient <laughs> from France and he's a left winger and he might be the sort of Ben Rama missing link that we actually didn't get last year meant to be a very highly rated player and like I said to you as far as I know the deal is done you know and he's going to be I think he'll probably be 
we're not playing against Arsenal, but he'll be in the stadium again against Arsenal because he was in the stadium for what I can gather on Saturday as well, which is Johan Risa. But the player that excites me, um, talking to my friend Simon from FC Michelin, who also is on the Pride of West London podcast, talks about Frank the Tank Onyeka. And he came on. He's obviously been in a quarantine for a number of days. So he wasn't going to get a full run out today. They probably thought, is he fit enough? Frank the Tank comes on with, what, what 20 minutes to go, 25 minutes to go? And he was rampaging around that pitch, doing all sorts of, like, you know, just really breaking up the play and really putting, getting his foot on the ball. And he even put his foot on the ball and put the ball in the back of the net as well. And he's a player that I'm really excited about. And I can see him actually starting in the place of... Uh, I can see him starting in the place of... Um, oh, God, what's his name? Uh, the place of Godos. Godos as well, who he we came in for on Friday against Arsenal. It wouldn't surprise me if Frank the Tank was in there. I think he's a great player. And uh, as we came out the stadium, bumped into my old buddy, my old chum, Rasmus Ankerson, the Brentford Director of Football. And we asked him, or I asked him, a little bit more about Frank the Tank and what he thought of Frank the Tank Onyeka. And Frank the Tank Onyeka. Now, this is a player. Listen, this is the player, the player that the player you found. The player that I found yeah. that we told you about. Okay, at the facade, yeah, and then yeah. you went running off, and then you decided to sign him. Yeah, yeah. Listen, at the end of the day, listen. Look, we're not asking for any commission or anything like that. <laughs> Just buy us a beer next time you see us. Okay. Well, I'm really, I'm really glad there's like pure people back left in football here. You know. Who just want to contribute, and I think you did that. You did that with Frank, and uh, I'm glad uh, he's finally here. That's right. If you uh, don't know, we're talking about just Pride of West London. Just check out the Besotted uh, podcast from the Pub with Rasmus Ankerson here and Phil Giles, where they we talked about lots of things, and we introduced Frank Onyeka to, to Rasmus, who was very surprised at the time, and then he signed him a few weeks later, which is uh, which is very nice. But today he had his first appearance after a little bit of isolation, coming out of uh, you know obviously he had to isolate being in the country for a few days, and he came out. And he was definitely a bit of a tank, kind of running around in that <laughs> the back end of that game because they didn't know really what hit him, did they? No, he's a, he's a very quick player, very aggressive player, and uh, he, he you know especially against the ball he offers a lot. Um, and I think you could see that today. I mean, he'll he'll be a very valuable player uh, for us, especially when we play against team that will have a lot of possession um, because because he's very good in that phase of the game and. Uh, I mean, today he scored. Uh, he's dangerous as well. You know, he gets in the box. He he he, he finishes well. You know, uh, so I'm sure he's not the last goal he he'll have scored for us this season. So that was Rasmus Ankerson, Brentford's director of football, on Frank, the Tank Onyeka, and you'll hear a, a little bit more if you listen to the post-match podcast on Pride of West London, where Rasmus talks about more things than just Frank, the Tank Onyeka as well. Frank, the Tank Laney, does he impress you? He's a real impact player. He's, he's, he's immediately uh, warned himself. You know, the fans are singing about him already. Um, three three games he's, he's coming on. He, he, he's made an impact in the, in the Man United game and the, and the, uh, the West Ham game. Uh, and obviously yesterday uh, with the goal. Uh, he's going to get a lot of bookings this year. Um, <laughs> I reckon there's a suspension in him this, this year for sure. Uh, he's he doesn't shirk a tackle. He gets involved. He he's he's got a, an engine. We we've heard that as you said. You know, um, with the FCM fan uh, talking about him, he's he's, he's a ninety-minute box-to-box player um, who, who who doesn't suffer from uh, energy drops. He, he he's going to go and go and go, and, and he's, that kind of player is something that we we're gonna we're gonna rely on. 
players players that just don't go missing. Um, quite happy just to just to get stuck in all over the pitch. Him and Yanel, uh, you know, are going to epitomise that kind of spirit. Um, so yeah, he, he has impressed me. Um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing more and more of him. And uh, you know, I, it, it's, I only hear good things about the player. So uh, you know, long may that continue, Bill. Yes, definitely. And there's a couple of players that I think we need to talk about as well, because as you know, besides we always sort of kind of keep abreast of what's going on, what might be going on underneath, bubbling underneath the sort of kind of underneath the surface. We don't, uh, we're not into putting out gossip, you know, on, on Twitter and that. You see all sorts of gossip flying left, right, and centre. And we pulled away from that years ago and we only only try and sort of kind of give information when the information is is there or thereabouts you know using our various sources all over the world as it is and uh, obviously the story's been going around about Brennan Johnson the uh, Nottingham Forest player as well which Brentford have been in for as well he played for Lincoln in the playoff well, playoff final actually uh, they lost in the playoff final he was loaned to Lincoln as well very highly regarded lots of teams in for him on this side of the of, of the of the water and also on the on, on the on the other side of the water in America as well there's players been looking at him because British players are now actually getting the attention of the MLS which I keep on saying this to you MLS is going up in the world big time um, I think America have actually broken into the top 10 teams in the world for the first time ever um, or that's going to be announced quite soon, you know, after they actually just won the Gold Cup against Mexico. So, like I said, you have to watch out what's going on over in America. And they're actually trying to attract decent up-and-coming talent from the UK as well. And Brennan Johnson is one of these players who have, they've been looking at as well. But at the moment now, for Brentford, I don't think Brennan Johnson is on, on the radar, just due, probably due to numerous things like the price that Nottingham Forest are asking for, maybe his agent, stuff like that. So we've got other irons and fires. And normally things like this actually pan themselves out towards the back end of the international window where these things come back into play. But at the moment now, Brennan Johnson's gone a bit of a cooler. There's another player called Jen Kajusta as well who is a Brazilian player who actually plays for FCM, which is the team, the club in Denmark, obviously, we've got very good relationships with. And I think the presumption is, is because he's with FCM, we're going to get hold of him. You know, it's definitely going to be on. But obviously, you've also got situation with agents and other people in play and also other clubs around who might be offering money for him. And if other clubs are offering more money for certain players, then that might mean that he might go elsewhere. So I think the Kajusta at the moment now is not necessarily an option. Also, you've got to think about the fact that we've actually got quite a few sort of central midfielders and defensive central midfielders. There's only so many that you can actually put into your side. So uh, I think that those at the moment now are a little bit on the back burner. So I know there's going to be quite a few rumours flying around about them. But for us, we're not focusing so much on them. We're just focusing on, you know, who else we might be bringing in in the next few weeks. But Laney, tell you what we're going to do. We're going to take another little break and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about anything else there is to talk about. So, yeah, the, the interesting thing that you've noticed is as we come into the Premier League, it's really interesting because, um, listen, we've been in the lower leagues for years and it's almost like, you know, no matter how big you are in the lower league, you're trying to get people to sort of as Brentford as a team to sort of notice you and uh, you sort of think yeah we're doing okay but the one thing that we have noticed and besotted is since we've come in the Premier League there's all sorts of characters come out of the woodwork that we never never even heard of you know TVs radios press all sorts of different blogs American blogs blogs from all over the world wanting to do stuff with us which is great but it's almost like it made me realise that literally around the world there is no interest for anything below the Premier League in general. And that's why when you get sort of fans, foreign fans coming to Brentford, 
they come there with this really kind of warm attitude and they're really happy to be there because basically they're not going with the flow. They're not going with that Premier League flow. And I, I really noticed that. It's just really quite mad. And like I said, there's articles flying around. Like I said to you, there's a review in The Observer today that I've done, which you need to check out, which I'm a bit gutted I didn't put Janelle in for, but it doesn't matter about that as well. 442 magazine, there's a really good feature in 442 this month as well. Loads of different press times, you know, I've done a few features on Brentford as well done another piece for the times today laney was on radio five as well he was chatting about stuff today there's going to be some stuff on sky and bt sport towards the end of the team week featuring the fans in the run-up to the arsenal game as well and then there was this documentary by premier it's called premier league world um, um by premier league world and it's a brentford special which was on sky and bt sport but i believe it's uh, it's popped up on youtube as well so you know if you want to sort of kind of check that out it was a brentford documentary like i said to you which is the premier league's um premier league world brentford promotion special just google that and i'm sure that you'll find that on youtube it hasn't been taken down i don't know who's put it up there it's nothing to do with us trust me you know what i'm saying it's just i've noticed that somebody's been sending that around but it's worthwhile having a look at that documentary as well because what it does is try to give a, 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 a sort of a, a, a sort of a, a rounded perspective of brentford a historic perspective of brentford in 25 minutes which is quite a hard thing to do which features you know um uh, input from you know historians from players Thomas Franks on there Ivan Tony's on there David Rea's on there and they've got a number of fans on there including myself Club Shop Anne is on there the old uh, Tommy, Tommy L Tommy Donnan as well on there as well and, and Nick Bruzon as well and it's just trying to give a rounded perspective of Brentford where it's come from and where it's going to so definitely worth checking that out like I said to you either on Sky download just go to Sky and go besotted on Sky and then you'll get all the Brentford content on your Sky queue or go and search for that Premier League World you know what do you think of that Slaney? Documentary. I thought it was all right. Um, yeah, I thought I thought it was okay. Um, it, I, it, I wasn't blown away by it. Um, I, I thought the, the fan contributions were excellent. I thought Rob Jex's historical stuff was great. Enjoyed you and Anne. Um, enjoyed the bruise on. Um, I, I enjoyed the other guy. I don't know who he was actually. Um, yeah, Tommy L. Good, 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 yeah, good guy really, as well. Really yeah. good. Might, yeah, might, 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 have to, might have to get him on a pod for your podcast. I think. Well, well, welcome on whenever he wants. Yeah, knew, knew his history, knew his stuff. Spoke brilliantly. Yeah, really, it really, really. That that side of it was excellent, um, and, good, and always good to relive the uh, the, the, the playoff victory um, over Swansea. Yeah, I, I never get tired of watching that. So yeah, overall, obviously, you know, seeing half an hour documentary about Brentford is it's only a good thing, and I think a lot of people will learn a fair bit about our club. But you know, I, it could have been a lot better, I thought, but not not as good as Sav's push up Brentford documentary. I think I think that is that's 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 the benchmark of uh, documentaries, recent documentaries about Brentford. But yeah, I'm 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 I'm, I'm I'm, I'm being picky there. Difficult to get it in such a short space of time to try and cover everything, to be honest with you, because we could have, I think that could have gone on and on. You know what I'm saying? You could have had the fans talking for more. You could have had the players talking for more. You could have had much more history, but it's quite hard in 25 minutes, like, you know, to try and cover everything, I think. And especially from our point of view, we know a lot of this information. We know what a lot that should be there. But I think for fans from the outside who know nothing about Brentford, even throwing in that little bit of information for them, they're probably thinking, cool, blimey. I had no idea about that. Even my wife was watching it with me and she said, I learned a lot from that documentary because she doesn't know as much about Brentford as what I do. And I think you've got to probably think of much more mainstream sort of, you know, people as to kind of how it is. But listen... I, re- I really, no, re- really enjoyed um, Ivan Tony, actually. Yeah, I did learn a lot there. I mean, him speaking about how important Thomas Frank has been to him. 
Um, Ivan Tony doesn't say doesn't say stuff just for the hell of it, you know. So there was a lot of heartfelt warmth and uh, respect to to the to, you know to the Brentford head coach. So yeah, we really enjoyed that. Yeah, and talking about you know old school, talking about where Brentford have come from. You know, there's an exhibition hoping up a, a Griffin Park exhibition. Is that not right, Laney? Yep, Friday um, at the Brentford Steam Museum. People that don't know the Steam Museum, they might not know what the name of it. They would have seen it. Everyone knows that big Victorian tower, the great big, you know, brick uh, chimney. It looks like a chimney on the on the Brentford skyline. Um, so uh, Friday before the Arsenal game, um, Bees United have, have, have funded this with the club's backing, um, and there's you know there's going to be a you know a collection of memorabilia, um, shirts. Um, there's going to be uh, they've constructed a garden shed in there. It's like a a bees, a, you know, a, 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 a fan cave. Lainey, is your is your garden shed bigger than this? Yes, my garden shed is not as big as Leeds's garden shed, obviously, but it's, it's, big, okay, it's bigger than not, this. Of course not. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's, there's going to be a, a yeah. So there was a, a, a collection, the collection that was donated to the, the club. Um, uh, it's like it's like hundreds of Brentford scarves and and mugs, and it, um, they're going to be showing the push up. Brentford documentary on a big screen and so fans are going to be able to go down to the Steam Museum um, full details are going to come out I'll, I'll let Bees United like put their press release and their launch and we'll, we'll obviously like, amplify that but I think fans are going to be able to go down to the museum during the week and on match days and just kind of wallow in, 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 in Griffin Park nostalgia the Griffin Park book I'm proud to say will be on sale there um, and, and the big Brentford book of the 90s. Uh, so, yeah, they're good, they're good people down at the Steam Museum, and I, and I really thank them for allowing us to use some of their valuable space, and it's something that um, I think Brentford fans will really, really enjoy. I think there should, there's always scope for a permanent Brentford Football Club Museum at some stage, but, you know, the, the location right next to the new ground, right next to Kew Bridge, where we were formed at the Oxford and Cambridge pub in 1989, it, it, it is so, so, such a brilliant position. And, uh, you know, obviously that, that steam um, museum or the, you know, the, the waterworks has been there, you know, even longer than the Brentford Football Club. So, uh, yeah, so as I said, watch the space, watch the Brentford World's Twitter and social media because um, the details of how much it is to get in, etc., will be announced uh, probably midweek. Okay, excellent. So listen, a nice little round of that. But then to be fair, we haven't done much over the summer, so we had to get a lot off our chest. And uh, all I can say is now, you know, it's, well, it's not even seven days and counting. It's about five days and counting now to the big match where Brentford play their first game in the Premier League. I'm very excited, but I'm trying to hold my excitement down at the moment now. But I know by the time it comes to Friday, when I'm not going to be getting any work done whatsoever, Ooh. I'm going to be down in the Brentford area from, God, from about midday. And I'm going to be there with my mates and we're going to do whatever we can do, river walks and all sorts of stuff, just to enjoy ourselves and to take it all in. I'm very, very, very much looking forward to it. So I'm Billy Grant and I have been here with my man Laney. Good afternoon. Good afternoon to you too. And luckily for you, check out all our podcasts on prideofwest.london. You know, you're going to be able to check us out because we've got podcasts coming like Wednesday. We're going to be back in the pub again. We've got Arsenal fan as well. Who's the Arsenal fan? Tell us, who's the Arsenal fan, lady? Uh, Darren Berry is going to join us. He's uh, one of my Arsenal authors. He's just written a book called um, The Corona Diaries. Um, it will tell you all about that. It's one of the funniest books I've, I've ever read about football. 
Um, it's Arsenal centric, obviously, but it's it's about you know his 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 not hatred, but you know his rants about modern football. His his rants about what's happened during Corona. It is a is a lot more to it than a book about Arsenal season. It's as I said, it's, I, I just like cry out loud when I read it, and you know I'm not even an Arsenal fan, so um, he'll be talking about that, but he'll also be talking about how excited he is to see Brentford in the in the, in the top flight because. People that know their football know that we play some good stuff and we're, we're there. We're, we're, we're there on merit. That's right. So, yeah, so we're back in the pub again. Like I said to you, post-coronavirus, or not, so we're not post quite yet, but post-lockdown time. So we're going back to what we normally did. So we're back in the pub Wednesday night, talking football with the away fans sitting with us, sipping a pint. We've got a post-match podcast that we always do. It's going to be obviously on a Friday night as well after the Arsenal game. So we'll have that. That'll be up after the Arsenal game, either Friday night or Saturday morning. And then on Monday, we're going to be doing our weekend roundup podcast. So we've got three podcasts coming per week that you can get very excited about as well. Like I said to you, we're coming back to this. You know, Don't forget that you can check us out on Kofi, which Kofi is like, if you like what you're doing, you can support us. Just go to besotted.com forward slash beer as well and we're actually thinking of throwing up a few options for our Kofi people as well down the line but you know now that we've split back into gear we'll talk about that within the next few weeks as well like I said to you go to Sky Q and go besotted on Sky and you'll get all your Brentford content as well don't forget to subscribe on all good podcast platforms and don't forget we've got the old besotted which is the Brentford Premier League t-shirts which have been flying out the door make sure you get you get hold of them at the moment now we're coming back into season now we've had you know our, our suppliers gone on holiday a bit we've been on holiday a bit but when we're all back now so we can actually pump them out and try and get them to you in time for well I say the new season but in time for maybe the Crystal Palace match which will be in, a, in, in 10 days time as well so go and do that at besotted.com you know the Premier League t-shirts but anyway this is the besotted pride of West London contours I podcast <laughs> and the Premier League sort of uh, pre-season friendlies are over we're into the real business zone now listen enjoy your week enjoy the countdown to the big game and I'll see you on Friday for the Arsenal game as we say come no, on you bees TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.